Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is The Pandora Room by Christopher Golden. And before we uh, get too far into that, here's a bio. Christopher Golden is the New York Times bestselling author of such... Oh, before we go on, this bio, Livius is looking at it, I put it on the document, is like a solid two paragraphs. And this is easily half of what the actual Amazon bio is. I cut it back significantly. Yeah, you know, here's what I don't want to do, because I look and I go, this is the one. This is the one we're going to break down what really doesn't (laughs) need to be in here. But then I don't want to do it because it's like someone's bio. It's not like an an Here's what we'll do. At some point, we'll pull an anonymous bio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like. Someone who we're not reading so that they don't happen to tune in and be like, why are they shitting on my bio? Right. Exactly. But I will say, as a general rule, if anybody's listening. Even though we're not shitting on your bio specifically, your bio's too long. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, almost all of you. Almost all of you. That being said, buckle in. Christopher Golden is a New York Times bestselling author of such novels as Ararat, Snowblind, Tin Men, The Myth Hunters, Wildwood Road, The Boys Are Back in Town, The Ferryman, Strangewood, and Of Saints and Shadows. He's also written books for teens and young adults, including Poison Ink, Soulless, and the thriller series Body of Evidence. Golden co-created two cult favorite comic book series, Baltimore and Joe Gollum, a cult detective. Gollum? Either way. As an editor, he's worked on the short story anthologies Seize the Night, The New Dead, and Dark Cities, among others, and is also... There's a lot of fucking commas in this. Uh, and has also written and co-written comic books, video games, screenplays, a BBC play, the online animated series Ghosts of Albion, and a network television pilot. Golden is also co-host of the podcasts Three Guys with Beards and Defenders Dialogue, and the founder of the Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival. I almost cut the book festival from there, and I was like, no, 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 he founded a festival. I have to leave that in. Yeah, look, that stuff at the end... It's good stuff. These two different podcasts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Festival. I like that stuff. Yeah. Ah, bios. All right. Here is the synopsis, which is uh, eh, close, close to the same. Ooh, I actually cut a paragraph uh, off of this, too. No, I cut it. I cut that like from the author of at the beginning. And then I cut sure. like a little bit at the end, too. It's fair to, to cut that out because that really is shouldn't be part of a synopsis. Right. Like I know now now we're just right, we just, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, but yeah, okay. <laughs> in one variation on the myth of Pandora's box, there were two jars, one for Pandora and one for her sister. One contained blessings of the gods, the other all the world's curses. Archaeologist Sophie Durand has spent her life studying ancient mythology and languages. Years of work have led her to the greatest discovery of her career, a subterranean city deep in the heart of northern Iraq. When Sophie's team uncovers a secret chamber whose walls are covered in cuneiform, along with a warning from Alexander the Great, history and mythology begin to merge. The writings confirm the Pandora tale of two jars, but the chamber guards only one. It's a find that could make history or start a war. Weird science expert Ben Walker is called in as the mystery grows ugly. Those who believe the myth want to know which jar was found, the one containing the blessings or the one full of curses. Governments rush to lay claim, but jihadi forces aren't waiting for the dust to settle. Whatever the jars contain, they want it, no matter the cost. For Sophie, Walker, and the others, the Pandora Room may soon become their tomb. Bum, bum, bum. 
So we're probably going to talk about the synopsis a little bit, but my first thought is like anybody reading the synopsis, uh, how many, what percentage of people reading the synopsis are thinking, yeah, I bet it's the one with the blessings. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point to make. Um, cause that, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that wouldn't make for a very interesting book if like, that's what your thinking was. Yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit about this. I don't know. Um, if there is some thought that there were multiple jars, like, I don't know, like, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you were also kind of familiar with the Pandora's box kind yes. of mythology, right? I don't know if there's somewhere that claims there might be two boxes, but I will tell you that the first paragraph of that synopsis is pretty goddamn promising. And that's what I thought when I came across um, this book is something that potentially we could review. Yes, I agree. Um, before we get too far into it, I did not realize that this, uh, I mean, sequel is probably, it's a sequel to Ararat. Um, but when I say that, like loosely a sequel, like it's, it's a, completely it's a separate story with type a yep, book. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I did not know that until I opened, um, the book and read, I don't know, whatever the first thing was in there that it said, uh, it was an author's note talking about how, uh, readers, kind of wanted some more of the Ben Walker character. And I was like, oh, all right, well, we already said we're going to do it, so it's too late to, to back out now. Um, I'll start by saying I don't really feel that that affected my opinion on the book at all. Like, there's enough ground covered that, that you kind of get an idea of some of the things he's been involved in. Right? Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, the references to that other book, uh, it happened several times, but never in a way where it's like, man, I have no idea what's going on because I didn't read that book. It's very much set up series style as opposed to like sequel style. So mm -hmm. it works just fine on its own. Um, our exposure previously to Christopher golden has been, we reviewed Snowblind, which we liked well enough. A three star rating from us back in 2013. Is that correct? 2013, 14, 2014. Um, and then my, uh, love affair with the, uh, the series that began with of saints and shadows, um, 20 some odd years ago. So that's, that's all the Christopher golden, um, this podcast knows prior to reading this book. Just wanted to kind of throw that in there and then I'll let Rob tell you all about this book. Yeah. I, I just struggled to kind of explain how the book, book starts out because, um, in the synopsis, Sophie Durand is, is mentioned as like the main character, but, um, later on the synopsis mentions the character Ben Walker. And once Ben hits the scene, which isn't in the beginning of the book, but late a little bit later on, he definitely takes over uh, a lion's share of the narrative. So Sophie for all intents and purposes is the character that's present through the most of the book. Although the focus definitely shifts, I, I, I would say, and we'll see if Livius agrees with that. But the story starts out in a little town near this uh, archeological dig site um, Sophie and a couple of her colleagues, Lamar and Martin, right? She was with Lamar and Martin. Yes. Are shopping in this nearby town for like just supplies, you know, food and stuff like that. And Sophie gets the feeling that she's being followed and, uh, her and her colleagues are kind of loosely walking together, but they're definitely not all in a group, you know, they're just kind of in the same area. And so as she walks down this little street, you know, she'll duck into a, you know, a little shop or something like that and see if the guys follow her in that kind of thing. It all, you know, kind of adds up to, um, they're being followed. And so it, it's not presented as like 
they're in an immediate like danger of death. But like these are some shady guys, and they probably want to know what's going on with their archaeological dig. Um, and so she's she's paranoid enough to gather her colleagues and leave quickly, and they uh, get followed by these these shady dudes on the way back. And and as this whole kind of scene un- unfolds, we become aware of the fact that there is some military presence that's a cooperation between. Uh, like U.S. troops and then also Kurdish troops and stuff like that that are kind of guarding the area of the dig site that intervene when these guys are chasing them. Um, and that's kind of the the action that starts things up. So uh, it seems like it's like kind of a harmless archaeological dig, but there's enough intrigue going on, mostly because of just the politics of the area where like even a trip to the, the local town for, for groceries and stuff is something that could touch off something a little bit weird. And then we're introduced to Ben Walker, who is the one of the two characters from the previous book in the series. Um, he is uh, in the um, Arctic Circle. Uh, yeah, I think Greenland, right? Yeah, somewhere. Or um, and, something. And, like, we're, we're just catching another part of his job, right? So he's uh, he's going around and they are collecting, uh, they're digging up samples of, uh, of some stuff that, that potentially could be dangerous that, that's growing up there. And we find out that his job is that he kind of in secret works for the American government. And the gig that he has is he is sent anywhere where something is found that could be weaponized. Um, to collect it uh, for the United States, and then in air quotes, in order for it not to fall into the wrong hands, and then the United States does what it does with it. Yeah. So this is this is his gig is to get to the to get to the good dangerous ship before anybody else does. So he is uh, pretty much wrapped up there, and he is immediately sent to Iraq. Um, because uh, Sophie and and company have discovered. Um, something of interest uh, to the U.S. government. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, after the whole shenanigans I mentioned before, they get back to the dig site. And um, while she was gone, while she was out shopping, some of the other people had discovered um, a kind of poorly, but I guess well enough hidden room that they didn't notice it before. Um, they they found a crack in a wall and then kind of, you know, worried it until it got it became obvious that there was something else behind it and um, throwing caution to the wind. She just goes through like they, they make a big enough hole for a person. She goes through, discovers the the whole thing. The book is about, which is um, uh, the Pandora room is the name of it. There's a room that's got this jar, which um, isn't, uh, you know, based on the the writings on the wall and everything sounds like it's got something to do with that Pandora myth. And so um, that kind of blows the lid off stuff. And that's when Ben's brought in, but um, he's brought in by Kim, who is, is, is the other character from the Ararat book. Um, And she is United Nations. So he works for the, the American government, basically in a rebranded DARPA, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And she works for the United Nations and based on her experience with him in the past and like um, like their their previous experience in that other book, she thinks he's the right kind of person to have in a, in a job like this where things could go really, really weird. Not to mention 
their romantic entanglement after the crazy shit that went down um, in the previous um, the previous book. So we have a little bit of a love interest there. They're joined by Dr. Erica Tang, who's an epidemiologist. Um, so the three of them have been tasked with making some decisions on, um, you know, how likely the rumors are to be true, um, kind of investigating and then securing um, this jar. Uh, but there's kind of some debate. Um, the UN would like to control it. And uh, Ben Walker has been given uh, the directive that he is always given is like, hey, if this shit's for real, you do whatever you have to do um, and get it to us. So. So basically, it doesn't take long to figure out that this jar is indeed one of the two jars mentioned in the synopsis. <laughs> and that's where shit starts to go horribly wrong on two fronts. Um, there is uh, some trouble that spreads among the people who are in this encampment. Um, but also, uh, jihadi forces have uh, have figured out that they want a gander at whatever this is, too. So you have kind of this duress going on inside these uh, this underground city, for lack of a better term. It's how it's referred to in the book. Um, and then above ground, you have uh, U.S. and Kurdish soldiers um, fending off a jihadi attack. And that takes us um, through, you know, the rest of the book. Yeah, all of it. There's some... Um... There, there's an astonishingly large cast of characters in this book. It's right. the, it's the size of care is the size of a character list where like I didn't really feel super bad if I didn't remember what the important thing about a specific character was. Um, but there are some that are worth mentioning. So I mentioned Lamar and Martin before. Lamar is kind of like Sophie, an archaeologist who does um, like language stuff. So. Um, he's the main guy who wants this discovery of this, you know, secret area in this underground town is found. Um, he's the guy that's going down into the chamber that holds this like Pandora jar thing. And he's um, translating all of the writing that's on the walls and on the pillar and, and everything like that. Um, so he spends all of his time down there just translating uh, the information. So you can try to give, you know, get a bead on what's going on. And, um, Martin is a grad student. There's several grad students that are uh, part of the, like when the dig was in full swing, there was like a thousand people there or something like that. And now it's winding down when they found this room. And so there wasn't as many left, but Martin is one of the other people that probably the majority of the reason we would talk about him is in spoilers. Um, and then, all right. So a couple of the other dig site people are Beza and Elio Cortez. And now Beza, I don't really know what she does. She doesn't have a speci specialty or anything, right? She's just a um, She's a professor. Okay. But she's a professor from, and, and um, I'm not well prepared, obviously, to talk about her. Um, whatever country that they are bordered with, because this all happens very close to a border, yeah. they agreed to let a professor from one of the universities there also join them yeah. on the dig. And that's what she does. Yeah, um, uh, Elio, on the other hand, is just, yeah, is, is her love interest and and doesn't yeah. have a, a very specific role. But no, she's kind of, I, I would say that before, um, you know, before Ben and Kim and, and Dr. Tang got there, that um, uh, she was probably kind of like a second in command, it seemed like. Like Sophie right. was running the show, but the Beza was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the person that she would run things by and, and kind of had some, 
I don't want to say saying what was going on, but some influence on, on how to handle things. Yeah. So there's those there's those people, and then there's a there's a list of different like so there's all these soldiers, and there's some that are are, are named characters that don't really I don't really feel like there's much to talk about with them, but there are a handful of soldiers that have enough of a um, part in the story to, to be named. Um, and yeah, so I think that we've kind of hit a wall of, of plot, but there's a few things about the general setup that I'd like to kind of explore a little bit before we go to spoilers. I'm not sure um, what you're going for here. So I think I'm just going <laughs> to let you continue on with that. So from the synopsis, there's a few things that are established um, that like, whether or not you read the synopsis, you're pretty much going to get a similar take. So in the beginning of the book, first of all, it mentions, um, the fact that there was Pandora's two jars thing. Another thing it mentions is, um, a warning from Alexander the Great. So the way this breaks down is Sophie goes through this like hole in the wall to get into this like secret chamber. Um, from there, uh, that kind of room that she, she ends up in there at one side of the room is, is like a, like a stairway, I think leading down or whatever. And surrounding that are, is like a warning from what she f- discovers is Alexander the great. Um, a significance. I'm sure archeologists would, would think more than me, but it kind of puts a date on when this happened. And it also kind of, uh, opens up. I think the significance of it is, um, from a, from a, a distance standpoint of like, where he was versus where this is happening and like his spread across the world. And so like things being where you might not super expect them. Uh, is that kind of what you got from that? Um, I might have to open up maps. That's okay. Yes. Um, but I did some Googling while you were talking in 2017, the lost city of Alexander the great was unearthed in Kurdish in Kurdish Iraq. Um, so I, oh. I think I think that we had some reason to think that Alexander. We probably oh man, someone's listening to this and going, these fucking guys don't know jack shit about history. <laughs> I think we had some reason there. I think that the fact that there were like kind of cross cultural warnings might have yeah. been the bigger, the more the bigger play thing. there. Yeah, than than the fact that Alexander the Great was in that area that you had warnings from two different cultures about the same thing. Yeah. And I mean that dude went all over the place, so it's not surprising that you know that guy was fucking great. It says it right in his name. Yeah, and I have no idea if it's great. His name is Alexander. Um, but like anyway, that like because it's in the synopsis, I have this problem where if it's in the synopsis, for some reason I expect it to be significant to the story, and the whole warning from Alexander the Great happens on like two pages and then is pretty much never mentioned again. (laughs) You know, I mean that's fair because you think you take the the important stuff the high, right and put it put them in the synopsis. I, I see I see where you're at with us, and and I would I would tend to agree with you, yeah. In this case, so yeah, that that just goes to like the some of the I guess what I'm saying is, uh, using Alexander the Great as an example. Um, again, we have a synopsis that's more for someone who hasn't to hook someone in who hasn't read it than to kind of like agree with someone who has, because there are things in the synopsis that I'm like, man, no, like either it's misleading or it's just like, it's not representative of, you know, it overblows some things that we'll talk about more in spoiler talk. 
For sure, which uh, I think we're going to go do right now. So, spoiler talk. I feel like I say this so often that regular listeners are bored with it. So, um, skip forward 30 seconds if you're already a Patreon contributor. Spoiler talk is where we go to talk about things we can't talk about on here. Um, and I think there's going to be a little bit of that uh, during this book. So, Patreon contributors uh, get uh, access for only $1 a month, and you get to hear little extra tidbits. This time, I don't think it'll be very long. Sometimes they're up to 40 minutes. So, uh, if it's something you've read, um, you should totally go listen. Um, if it's something you haven't read and don't intend to read, you should probably totally go listen. But if you're thinking you might read this book, don't listen. Don't listen until you're done. So, yeah, that's it. It's my pitch for spoiler talk. We're going to go do that right now. All right. In that flash, we are back from spoiler talk. Uh, that This was a, a good one. I think we got to a lot of the, the kind of main points that we couldn't make in the uh, in the normal story review without spoiling. Um, and, and, and wrap ups around the corner, but there's there's a couple of things that um, like got kicked up in my mind as we were talking uh, about spoilers. So if it's okay with you, Livia, so I'm going to, I'm just going to talk about one of my kind of main bones of contention. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, early in the book, when we're first establishing the character of Sophie, uh, there's, there's some, she's reflecting on her, younger days in, in, in her childhood where she had cancer and she survived it. And um, it's definitely like a major part of the characterization of Sophie is her having struggled with, with, with cancer. Um, and other parts of her story are that her parents are divorced. Uh, her father has Alzheimer's and doesn't have time left. So this is all stuff that's introduced in the beginning of the book. Um and so characterization, like building, building out the character definitely happened for, for the more um, significant characters in this book. For example, Ben Walker has a son who he never gets to see and he feels really bad about that. He made a promise. I'm going to be better about that. So that's like a part of the book for him. Uh, for some reason, it didn't feel... Um, the characterization, like the building out of the characters for me didn't feel authentic. It didn't make me care more about the characters. Um, I felt like it was a little bit stiff and, um, and it was almost more, more like an afterthought than, than as uh, an organic part of the story being written. Um, because like, I felt like the beats that worked in the story were much more of the main plot, um, the supernatural stuff, the the military stuff and the whole like um skirmish that was going on up above all of those parts of the plot i felt like were written well and they moved the way they should and it felt natural but all of the kind of building out of characters backstories and stuff like that and building the emotional side of characters for some reason to me just fell very flat and um to the point where i, I there were several instances where reading backstory parts of characters um, actually took me out of the story because it was so wrong that I was more kind of jolted by the fact that it was even there than like, than feeling like it added something good to the story. Yeah. Rob and I talked about this in spoiler talk um, and, and we are in agreement. Um, so I guess when you have that many characters, you really can't flesh them all out. So you have to pick the ones like you want to do, right? Like Sophie, like you said, was fine. Dr. Walker was fine. Even um, 
Oh, where's my note? Uh, even Beza was like, okay, you know, because it happened, right. you know, not always like at the introduction of the character, cause that's not the right way to do it either. I don't think all the time, but, um, yeah, it was it was spread out to the point where you're seeing like big glimpses of someone's life for the first time at like 75 percent into the book. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. It felt uh, it felt awkward. It's kind of like uh, doing a Dan Brown analogy, which we kind of did in spoiler talk. Mm-hmm. Um, we came to the conclusion after reading. Um, did we read two Dan Brown books or just one on the podcast? Uh, I'm thinking just the one we did Inferno. Anyway, we came to the conclusion. I feel like we did too. Well, I'll go back and look at that later. Um, we came to a conclusion about Dan Brown that he is excellent at writing historical fiction and absolute dog shit at writing characters, action and dialogue. Um, and I feel like I got a similar feeling here. Like there's a, there's an absolute strength, uh, in Christopher Golden's writing in this book, at least, and then there was definitely a weakness. Indeed. <laughs> um, I know that's probably half of your wrap up, so I'll let you just continue on and <laughs> give this a rating. All right. I remembered liking Snowblind, uh, and and while it, you know we read so many books that I don't remember a lot of the you know details of the plot, I remembered thinking it was uh, it was a it was a fun story and it was kind of kind of weird um but i remember liking it overall and so going into this book it was easy to just say yes we'll read another christopher golden book uh and for the most part i i found the book entertaining uh enough and i thought that the plot was interesting and and it it had a lot of promise to it and there was just parts of the book that just didn't sit well with me i think part of it is that this is i'm not the i'm not the audience for this type of thing like I can go for a supernatural horror kind of thing, but this felt like it was like also an action book in a way. Like it had a very action feel to it. Um, and a lot of the, um, Ben Walker and Kim and the military people stuff was just written in a way that just doesn't work for me. It was a very war movie type feeling, but in a supernatural thriller, uh, horror type thing. Um, and so I'm going to chalk up a lot of my objections to the fact that I'm just not the target audience for this type of story. Um, that being said, I did also have a little bit of trouble with um, like the filling out the characters, which I mentioned just a minute ago. Um, and I don't know, man, it just, it didn't, it overall just didn't land well for me. I think he's a good writer and I think he has great ideas. Um, I just don't know if I agree overall with the way he took this story. And again, it just wasn't, like the kind of book that I like to read. So, um, but this has to be my, my personal rating. And, you know, so for me, two and a half stars. Rob hit every single point that I wanted to hit in my wrap up. Um, so I'll, I'll go a slightly <laughs> different direction. Um, back in the nineties, I read of saints and shadows, which wound up, uh, being a three books in the series, I believe. Um, and they subsequently were called the Peter Octavian books. Um, they were vampire books. They were like the Catholic church exterminating vampire books. Some really interesting things that happened in there. And of course I I obviously have changed a little bit in the 25 years or whatever it is since I, since I read those, uh, um, loved them, loved them, loved them. Um, 
by some way or whatever, Christopher Golden kept writing and I did not go back to it. I mean, this is pre-internet days, so it was a little harder to find out if an author had something going on or, or, or whatever. So I was really excited to read Snowblind, which I did enjoy. It was a snowstorm, like a like a recurring snowstorm. Like it was a snowstorm that had happened many years before that and like ghosts come up from the previous snowstorm. And I remember thinking it was like a pretty creepy book and, and, and pretty well done. Um, so in reading another Christopher Golden book, um, I, I had a feeling that I, I kind of, uh, you know, would be maybe a little more like Snowblind than of Saints and Shadows. Um, but it was really kind of a completely different direction in that. Um, and, and again, I say this meaning no ill will. The, the best I could say is like that Dan Brown-esque kind of here's a here's a story you think, you know, Pandora's box. Um, here's what really happened and here's what f- happens to the people who find out what the real story is. So I was, I was kind of intrigued by the premise. Um, plot wise, I mean, it's it, the, the writing, like the page to page writing is, is, is good. The plot wise, there are maybe some issues and Rob and I talked about them a, a lot in spoiler talk. I am probably closer to the target audience for this book than Rob is, but it, it, it pretty much fell the same way for me. I'm not opposed to reading another Christopher Golden book. I don't think I would read another one in the Ben Walker series because I don't think that this format um, from him works specifically for me. And I'm just going to go ahead and echo Rob on this. I think two and a half stars is probably pretty accurate. That's the funny thing. Um, as you were saying your wrap up, I was, you know, reflecting on, on all of the things we've talked about so far. And I asked myself the question, like, well, if even like if Livius asked you to read another Christopher Golden book for the podcast, would you say yes was the original question. And, and without hesitation, my, my answer to myself was yes. But then I asked myself, would you read Ararat for this podcast? And yes, I would. And so I think that like overall, I like this dude. But the story wasn't the specific story was was an issue, but it doesn't do anything to dissuade me from uh, examining his stories further. Right. And that's what I said. It, it, it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird thing. And, and <laughs> um, I'm going to assume Ararat was successful enough that that drove him when I look at the stuff he's written. I was kind of looking through his um, his author page on uh, on Amazon. There is a shit ton of stuff. So he's yeah. done like. A bunch of like Buffy stuff and Uncharted, which is a video game, you know, so books based on a video game. And, you know, we, we talked earlier about him doing um, uh, children's books and comic books. And so obviously he's right. got his hands in, in a ton of different things. And I don't know if Dead Ringers, just one that I happen to be scrolling past as I said that, you know, is is uh, would be something more. I don't know if our style is the right way or something that would just land differently with us. Um, I'd love to take you back and make you read that fucking book from 1994 of saints and shadows but i don't know if we'll uh if we'll ever if we'll ever get there i am speaking directly to jesse and misty right now if that becomes a patreon pick i'm gonna fucking murder people because it'll just be people trying to like satisfy you again livius so not fair it's okay for people to want to satisfy me rob there's nothing wrong with that (laughs) it's always you everybody has to live up to your expectations nobody cares what i want to read yeah, well, let me tell you who didn't live up to my expectations this last week, if I could take a moment. Please. Yeah. So last week, Rob and I came to a, a pretty significant divide as far as the podcast <laughs> goes. Like, not a, like, uh, is there anything else we could do that's not that thing that you just said? Because that happens occasionally, right? And we go, all right, look, if you're not into it, we came to a flat out, like, 
fork in the road disagreement about I wanted to, for your sake, listeners, <laughs> I, I did not enjoy Fifty Shades of Grey or what was the Grey. remake called? Grey, right? Um, but I thought people might be talking about this book, The Mister, E.L. James' new book, and I was willing to put myself through another one. Not not for not to to, to punish Rob, um, definitely not to like enhance my, my own like enrich my own reading experience, but to be able to talk about a book that likely I haven't looked. It's Tuesday, probably number one on the New York Times bestseller list this week. Rob hmm. disagreed wholeheartedly. I've never heard Rob disagree as much on the podcast uh, on a podcast related issue as this. But then he threw out an olive branch and said, "Look." If you want listeners to hear the review, just have someone else review it with you. And I thought for sure, for absolute certain, that I would get maybe three, four. I wasn't expecting dozens of people to turn out for this, right? Three or four people to say, Libius, I will read this book with you. And we can review it on the podcast. <laughs> and Rob, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you take a stab at how many people exactly reached out to me directly with the offer to do it. I'm going to guess zero people. Fucking zero people did. So my level of disappointment right now with, with, with the audience is huge. Huge. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that that olive branch, I think you just need to make it an indefinite, like we don't have to, like you gave him a time limit. Right. And I don't know how well the time limit works. Like that. It's not like reviewing it two months from now is going to, is going to make it any less relevant. Right. Um, I mean, no, I'm going to look it up and see where we're at on the, if it's on the New York times bestseller list. I mean, we always kind of want to strike when the, when the, the iron's hot, right? Like we try to get books out. Here, here's the thing, though. Thomas Joyce is way back on, like, episode 110. It's going to take yeah. him, like, a year before he's ready to fucking read a book. That's very true. I was going to say that's <laughs> not true in that um, I know he listened to the last episode because he had messaged me about it. Okay. Um, but in there was not an offer to read this. It is number two. So it debuted oh. at number two What's on the New York better? Times. Episodes. Um, David Baldacci. Oh, I don't even uh, care Redemption. what the book is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read the first few of his books, and you know what? They weren't bad. You know, I when I was kind of just burning through books two, three a week back in the 90s, I guess when he started, I read like the first three or four that he did, and they were okay. You yes. know, nothing nothing great. The first one he did was really good. I don't remember what it was called, but they wanted to make it into a movie with Clint Eastwood. Mm. Nothing. Nothing. Anyway, um, we're not reading that Baldacci book either. As a matter of fact, next week, we're not fucking reading anything. Because I really thought, in my schedule, I had carved out time this coming week to read The Mister. <laughs> so we're gonna, we're just going to do something else, huh? Yeah, we're going to do something else. You guys don't even get a goddamn book review last week because you don't know how to behave. Wow, look what you guys did to Livius. He's all... Yeah. Uh, I was going to introduce something else, and now I don't think I can because of the mood you're in. Oh, well, all right. Go ahead and introduce it. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I, I'm feeling I'm not mad at you. Like I get like, like I said, you did the right thing and you offered me away. And I was like, well, this will actually be fun. Like I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this and then nothing. No, all right. Well, I just want to say I, I got around to ordering my signed um, print copy of the Maltese Jordans by Seth Harwood. Oh, nice. Um, so on the title page, it says for my man, Rob booked forever, your boy, Seth Harwood. Um, and then I was just flipping through cause I like to do this and I, and I got to the acknowledgements and he thanks a lot of people. 
Okay. Including one of us. <laughs> but yeah, now Seth Harwood didn't fucking <laughs> offer to fucking review the Mister either. He did not thank both of us. <laughs> so I am definitely named in this, and I'm looking. I just don't see your name at a glance. So I didn't see. I didn't look. Uh, it's just me. <laughs> All right. So, well, con- I, you know what? Con- congratulations. I wonder, here's the thing though. Uh, Livius doesn't have the, you you don't have the, um, like the face to face kind of interaction with a lot of the authors, even though you schedule stuff because you have a, a much better mind for that. Like listeners might not know, like I do a lot of the, like the, t- the chatting back and forth kind of like hashing out details before we get to like, you know, just the glad handing stuff. So I think authors get more of me, but like, and then Livius kind of makes, makes it all happen. He makes the choices. Like we're reading this, we're doing this then. So he's more operational and I'm more like out there shaking hands on the sales floor kind of. And so I think that that kind of bit you in the ass on this one. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I um, I have like oh god, I, don't I would be so I pissed if you got thanked and I didn't. I don't want to like dissuade. Like you know what? I get messages and I'll get emails from people and I, and I I love them. I'm just I'm not much of like a written communicator. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I'd be happy to sit across the table from somebody and have a drink or a cup of coffee and chit chat for like hours. Oh yeah, you're but going out like to messages, lunch with Kevin Lindhemick all the time. Yeah, if it's like a a, a message. Like I, I acknowledge there's a message and I, I just don't, I just don't do that well. And I think, I mean, for, you know, for those of you who know me on social media, like I don't post on social media, I just don't have a lot to say in, in writing. But if you listen <laughs> to this podcast, you'll notice that I can talk for a goddamn hour straight with Rob interjecting every now and then like that. I can do no problem. Um, it's just never been one of the things that I enjoy doing, like yeah. communicating that way. Um, so, I mean, I can. I just, I'm not passionate about it. I, I sometimes feel bad, you know, cause I'll get like long, long messages from people that I respond with like six words. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. So I don't, but yes, definitely. I think you're probably the better one to represent us in a, in an ongoing, um, friendship. But, um, I, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't think like I, I like Seth any less than you do. Or, or anybody else in particular that I could think of. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. We have, I, it's just I not always... my, yeah. I always think that we have like an equal relationship with everybody. Like how I am with someone is, is the same as how you are. So yeah. Except you get thanked in the fucking book and I don't, you get pies, False. you get pies and you get people picking books for you. I was going to say, I haven't had a pie in many, many years. And I that had guy, zero pies. Know, that's true. No pies for you. <laughs> that's true. Someone send Rob a fucking pie. Send so it, I can yeah, stop hearing about the pies. Yeah. Whining about it. It's yeah. been like four and, years. And then send me one too, and I just won't tell Rob about it. He can always now wonder if I also got a pie when he asks, and I go, "No, what are you talking about?" Oh, see, you just ruined it. Now I'm always <laughs> going to be paranoid about the pie. <laughs> oh man. Oh. oh, division by baked goods. Yeah, that's that's yep. That's so, takes. well, everybody's um, just like, "Well, he doesn't need a pie." Look at him. All right, listen. Look, let's talk about big important things that happened outside of books this past week, right? Two of the biggest events, it, it maybe ever, ever in 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 um, viewing history, right? So one, we smashed 
like every world record ever for a movie with this Avengers um, Endgame movie. You saw it, right? I did not see it. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. But then you must have watched the episode of Game of Thrones, season eight, episode three, right? I did not watch that. <laughs> that's interesting. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> you started to point out that you've seen, I, I didn't watch Avengers Endgame. And can I tell you why? Because I'm like three Avengers movies behind, I think. Like, I'm just not, that world doesn't excite me. Yeah. Do you want me to really fucking light you up about Endgame? I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay. But I'm going to tell you what I've done so far. We, I have not gone to a theater and watched that movie. But I did listen to the special episode of David James Keaton's podcast, uh, almost good where they him and uh, J David Osborne talk about viewing Endgame, which is one hundred percent spoilers. I know everything that happened in that movie, and I have not watched it yet. Interesting. Are you all caught up? I mean, is this like the only one you haven't seen? Is no, that... I didn't see Captain Marvel yet. Okay. Um, I, I forget. Think... I forget that that's part of the same world. Honestly, you said that. I was. I had to like. Oh yeah, that's also. Yeah, and I, and I think I haven't seen the second Guardian of the Galaxy movie. I think I've seen pretty much everything else. Usually, like, it'll show up on, like, the like the main thing in Netflix, and I'll be like, all right, I got nothing going on for a couple hours. I'll watch this. So, But because everybody was so uptight about spoilers, I was like, I'm going to do the exact opposite, and I'm just going to listen to spoilers without seeing the movie at all. Interesting. Yeah, um, it opened to like a billion dollars worldwide or yeah, something ridiculous. It's insane. insane. Absolutely insane. Um, well, I did. the unique thing about Marvel movies is, you know, some people watch it multiple times a day or, or at least in the opening weekend, you know, three or four viewings for one person. Which, by the way, makes no fuck sense to me right. so, yeah. i just i can't my brain can't process that there are people that do that i know there are i've seen them in my social yeah. media feed but good lord how do you do that to yourself that movie's three goddamn hours long yeah yeah that's so crazy like, it's 12 hours of their weekend uh just watching the movie that doesn't include all the other shit you have to do to go and come back and all that stuff but yeah and so like i think that i wonder if you could if you could do like unique hits as opposed mm-hmm. to like re- repeat views yeah. To see like what the dollar amount is, because then you could quantify how much money people are wasting as well. Like you could get a little bonus yeah. like statistic. <laughs> <on it. laughs> yeah. I was going to say that to the movie, to the movie people, it's all the same. They don't give a shit if you just buy a ticket for every single showing Friday night to Sunday night. Like they're thrilled, right? You right. spent $380 or whatever on the movie they made. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I can watch um, longer movies and stuff like at home. But just being stuck in that chair at the movie theater, and I don't care how comfortable the chair is for that long. Yeah. Like, you can't pause it to get up and get something. Like, I, it's just not. Like, I, I go to the movies less and less. Um, but a three-hour movie, just I don't. I can't imagine what the three-hour movie would have to be for me to be like, yeah, I'll fucking go see that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I just genuinely can't think of you know. Um, I am not. I like superheroes. Like I watch a bunch of the superhero TV shows. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I saw like the first two captain Americas and, and like the first two Avengers movies. And quite honestly, that's probably, Oh, I saw that Hulk movie. 
that came uh, out like a bunch of Edward Norton ago. one or yes yeah no okay. I saw yeah that one yeah I saw that one um I don't even know if that's actually part of this series or not like you know what I mean like from a tie-in standpoint like right. I, I don't even know if that one was but yeah so th- that's kind of where I'm at like <laughs> look, that's how much I've seen of these like 38 movies or whatever they put out in this Marvel Cinematic Universe um so far so uh, I think I, I gravitate towards ones with interesting directors and I know you don't pay much attention to directors, but like Thor Ragnarok, I wanted to watch because of Taika Watiti who did what we do in the shadows and stuff like that. So like, I think, um, that, that is an interest, that's an interest to me, but overall it's, to me, it's just like, it's, it's that like fill in the dead time, uh, in between whatever else I've been doing. But speaking of the word dead, I'm going to tell you what I did watch this weekend when I wasn't watching Game of Thrones or Avengers Endgame. Do tell. Well, somewhere on social media, someone posted a poster or like a promotional picture, I guess, but it looked like a poster um, for the Deadwood movie, Mm -hmm. which um, is airing on HBO at the end of May, like a month from now. And I was like, oh, shit. So I knew I owned the first season of Deadwood, and I've been watching that. So I'm on episode like nine of the first season. I am. Uh, I applaud you. It's something I would I would like to do before then. I don't think I'll have a chance to, you know, watch those two seasons. Right. Um, I'm going to tell you what I watched over the weekend, and then I'm going to pause for you to wrap your mind around this. Okay. I watched the first three Jason Bourne movies. So I just did that, like, you cock your head to the side like a dog <laughs> yeah. when you're trying to understand something. And, like, that's such a – this is the worst for an audio podcast. But I have I have no idea. I was – I don't even know how this came up. But at one point, I actually said to my girlfriend, I was like, hey, you know, I feel like I watched that first Bourne movie when it came out. And there's been, like, four others. You want to watch some Bourne movies? <laughs> I was – what I want to have happened was that, like, it's just, like, the first one happened to be on TV, and you're like, well, I'll watch this, you know, I, I, nope. either it's been a while, or, and then, like, you got to the end of it, and you're like, I need to find out what happens next, and, like... No, no, that would make sense, <laughs> instead of randomly plucking some series that started back in, like, 2002 or something, oh, and being like, I just, there's just not enough Matt Damon in my life. Have you seen the Bourne movies? Yes, I have. Okay. So here's what I'll say. The first one was very good. The second one was not very good. The third one was pretty good. And the fucking fourth one, not only doesn't have Matt, I haven't seen it yet, but not only doesn't have Matt Damon in it, but it doesn't have Jason Bourne in it. Yeah. The Bourne legacy. That's the one. Yeah. 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 That's confusing to me. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's probably on tap for maybe one night this week or sometime this weekend. And you know, there's a fifth one. Jason Bourne. Yeah. Yeah. When he comes back or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Because they were like, oh, this old Jeremy Renner thing didn't pan out the way we thought it would. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, you know. It, or okay, alternately, so Matt like, Damon was like, ooh, I have some bills to pay. Imagine Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> and then you got in there and you're like, well, this is fucking weird. The Hulk is here. And these <laughs> Valkyrie-looking women are here. But it's fucking Thor. And then it's some throwaway in the movie. They're like, oh, yeah, Thor had to go to Mars with a whatever you know something i don't know like just a fucking weird thing to i don't know yeah i agree um 
I uh, I always kind of wanted to read the books because um, I used to read yeah. a lot of that yeah. stuff and just never got around to it. So I was like, I'm going to watch these movies. And I had seen the first Bourne movie probably when it came out. And I remember thinking it was okay. It's got, uh, what's her name in it from Run Lola Run? Yeah, she got Potente or something like that. Yeah, Franca Potente. Yeah. That one. She's and good. really, really kind of an all-star cast because uh, all those names of those people, I, I can't remember. They're like all in it. <laughs> uh, it's got fucking Brian Cox in it, right? Or is that a yeah. later one? I'm not sure who he is. Maybe that's in a later one. No, uh, he's one of the top dudes. Um, he was in, uh, what would you know him from? He played in the Mindhunter movie. He played Hannibal Lecter. Like the f- oh, okay. The yeah, first yeah, yeah. movie mm-hmm. adaptation. Original. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do yeah. know exactly what yep. Yeah, he's like one of the older like CIA guys in this one, right? Yep. Isn't that his? Yeah. Oh, Walton Goggins is in it. Julia well, Stiles is in it. That, that's what I'm saying. Fucking Clive Owen. Although I will say that... Um, uh, Walton Goggins gets. I mean, he's not, he's credited as research tech. He's got a punk like, ass role. <laughs> he doesn't even have a fucking name. Yeah, one of the greatest actors of our time. I will agree. I will agree on that. Yeah, Cletus Van Dam himself. <laughs> Cletus has, Van Dam has no fucking credited name. Yeah, in but that like, movie. if you look at the the timeline of his career, that's early in his career. Oh yeah, that's probably one of the first things he did. Would be my yeah, guess, right? I would say it might even be pre. Shield? Oh, it's pre-Shield for sure. The Shield was oh, the Shield video game was 2007. Shield was 2002 to 2008. There was a Shield video game? How <laughs> shitty a video game did that have to be? <laughs> now we don't we're not even talking to the fucking audience anymore. We're just... No, no, but just think about I've got I'm sorry. And then can we also you didn't watch you didn't watch Sons of Anarchy, did you? I watched the first three seasons and then I was like, oh, this Irish shit is garbage. And then I stopped watching it. All right. So you didn't get to meet Venus Van Damme, did you? No, but it was at Walton Goggins. Fucking Walton Goggins plays a, 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 a transsexual. Nice. Named Venus Van Damme. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> it's fucking great. How fucking wonderful is that for fans of the shield like to yeah. be like hey holy shit that's walton gagas and then introduces himself as venus van damme talk yeah. about bringing down the house yeah all right the shield video game wow <laughs> oh, uh no the shield video game vic Mackey finds two jars oh uh, <laughs> i bet you it's the one with all the blessings <laughs> Oh, man. The Shield, also known as The Shield, the game, is a video game based on a television show of the same name. It's a third-person shooter where players take on the role of Vic Mackey fighting crime on the streets of Los Angeles. That sounds terrible. Wow. There's a walkthrough. I'm going to watch that later. When we're done with this. Say, our podcast has just devolved into like the conversation we would have when we're not having a podcast. Come back next week when we do live commentary while we watch a walkthrough of a PlayStation 2 game <laughs> based on the Shield TV show. It's just you shouting, it's Cletus Van Dam. Oh my God, man. All right. Um, next week, <sighs> as punishment, no book for you guys. Um, we're going to be doing probably an interlude or we'll see if something else pops up before then. Again, as Rob said, if somebody's interested, I'm still taking applications for reading the Mister. So hit us up if that's your thing, and uh, that's all I've got. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for this one. Come back next week. Till then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.